And she said, it's so hard when you spoke like this for all your life. And I said, yeah. I said, you know, when we started, I think it's been about seven years that we have tried to start changing the way we talk. And even still, negative stuff comes out. Doesn't it? And so we we gotta we gotta practice. We gotta we gotta train. We gotta practice. This takes effort. It takes an effort to live for the Lord successfully. Um, the life that you're li- living now is the result of the words you spoke in the past. Can anybody say, "Yeah, that's true"? Right. So if we want a different life, we gotta change what we say. If you don't like the life you're living, then speak new words. The word you should speak are God's words, and all of them are found in the Bible. Okay, so we talked last week about how to to uh, break down a scripture. Remember how to do that? So if you just read the scripture and just fly through it, okay. Um, there's a scripture in Psalms that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree or like the palm. You ever read that scripture? All right. So when I was in college, one of our professors, we had chapel every day. We went to church every day, every day. Kim's been to Bible college. She knows how it is. You go to church every day. Johnny's been there. He knows. You write papers about church and about the Bible and about things in the Bible until finally it's like, you know what? I just don't want to go to church. We went Saturday. Saturday was good. Saturday you slept in till noon when the cafeteria opened. And it's when we were, this is young, Sister Carol. Some of you are young, but. And we slept in till noon on Saturday. And we thank God for it because Sunday. We're going back to church again. Church on Sunday morning, church on Sunday night. And so my professor, one of the classes, taught on the righteous shall flourish like a palm. Brother Griffin, Johnny, did he ever preach this when you were there? Okay. On chapels on Tuesdays and Thursdays at, our, at my college, our college in Texas, was an hour and a half chapel. This guy preached about a palm tree for three long chapels, all right? He took one scripture, the righteous shall flourish like a palm, which is what we use for the ladies' conference, Psalm, I don't remember which one it's in, Psalm 8 maybe or 5, I can't remember. But he preached about the characteristics of a palm tree for at least, he had at least an hour and a half to two hours over those three-week periods. Now, that's taking a scripture and breaking it down. But if we say, the righteous shall flourish like a palm, and we just keep on going, and we don't think about what a palm does. The first thing they do with a palm is when they plant the palm tree, unfortunately, we cannot have palm trees here in this climate. Okay? My brother-in-law pastors in out northwest Houston, Texas. And outside of his church, he has huge, clean palm trees. I would love to have some. I said, Amy, do you think we can have palm trees? No, we cannot have palm trees here. Plus, it's not cold. Wouldn't that be awesome? Pull in, there's palm trees. We get some pictures. All right. It's just not the same, Donnie. But it, hey, welcome back. We're, you, you, we missed you right there. See? Jiggling. Yes. They remind us of Hawaii. Yes, a little bit. So, the first thing they do when they plant a palm, number one, it has to be in a certain climate. Number two, when they plant the palm tree, they take this lead cap and they put over the palm tree. And they begin to work around the root system of this new palm that they've planted. They put fertilizer and nutrients and whatever else into it and they water it. Okay, what are they doing? They are doing this because they want the root system to develop and go deep into the sand and the soil. Because when those 150 mile an hour hurricane winds come, 
They'll bend down. Their tops will touch the ground, but they come right back up. Very rarely do you see palm trees that are snapped off. So the righteous shall live like a palm. The righteous, we take our time and we work on our foundation. What's Okay, a couple elements. What's the elements of our foundation? Walking with the Lord. A couple things we talk about all the time. Prayer. Fasting. Read the word. Those are the three things. And go to church. Better put that in there, right? Prayer, fasting, read the word, go to church. <coughs> when you go to church, then you can have a subtitle under the church that says, get involved. Does anybody have? I have, I have some of the hardest fingernails I think a human being has. Okay? I do not cut my fingernails with fingernail clippers. Probably not. You know those orange hedge trimmers? That's what I do. Chainsaw. I call it. Illinois fingernail massacre. No. I use toenail clippers because my nails are so hard. But when I'm working, I mean, they, they, don't, they don't split, but they'll rip if I hit something, right? So what am I saying? I'm saying when I'm using my hands, I'm busy in the kingdom. And that, that is, there's going to be times, if, you're, if your hands aren't being used, you know, if I go, to the, if I go get a, a pedicure or a manicure, I don't know. I don't go there. One's your feet. I'm trying to think. Pedis your feet, right? All right. Then you get the pedicures. But anyway. So when you're working, and you gotta, you're working, your mind is not on this or that. Your mind is what you're working on. When you get involved in the kingdom and in the church, your mind is, is, is occupied with the things of the Lord. Okay? If not, the devil's going to drop crazy thoughts into your mind. He's going to drop thoughts in there that don't make any sense, but yet we build on it. Our minds build on it. The reason our minds build on it is because our minds have not been grabbed by the word. So, you ever see somebody come to church, never get involved in anything? They don't last. Well, this is a tough Bible study already tonight. They don't last. Right? I look around this room, and everybody in this room is involved in something here, whether it be singing, music, ushering, uh, kids' ministry, what else? Food pantry, Bible studies. You see what I'm saying? So we're getting involved. And though that's the elements here. Prayer, you got to talk to the Lord. If you don't, prayer is talking to the Lord. And if you don't talk to the Lord, how are you going to know what he's wanting to say to you? If you want to have a successful marriage, you talk to your spouse. Okay? If you don't, don't talk to her. You know the hearing aid. You've seen the hearing aid settings? One is the football game. The other is the wife. That gets you in trouble, wife. That gets you in trouble. So prayer is communication of the Lord. Fasting. The Bible says that we are to afflict ourselves. The Christian walk is, is a walk that sometimes involves suffering. Sometimes it's not easy living for the Lord. Is it? Sometimes it's not easy coming home from work, getting home at 5.30 and getting the kids running through the bath. You know? Oh, you guys are coming up in the assembly line there. Put them all in there right now, right? Yeah. They, do you still have in there with them? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. I don't have to worry about that right now. The, the one of the greatest days of my life was when everybody was big enough that I didn't have to give them a bath anymore. Oh, thank God. 
this is so wonderful that I don't have to give anybody a bath tonight. I've probably given 25,000 baths to other people. I feel like I was a CNA and didn't even go through training. I'm just taking care of people. You know? And then when you get them off of formula and out of diapers, you get a raise. It's like, oh, praise God, this is awesome. Now it's like when you get them out of the house and they're on their own and they pay their own bills, oh, praise God, this is better than formula and diapers, you know? Finally. Finally. So we afflict ourselves, and we do that with fasting. Jesus was our example. He fasted. He prayed. Before he started his ministry, and we, we dealt with this Sunday morning in Luke chapter 4, before he began his ministry, he prayed and he fasted. He was in the wilderness 40 days. So we afflict ourselves. I would much rather afflict myself, choose myself to be afflicted from what I choose to do, like fasting, than to not fast and the Lord allow trouble to come in my life. I'd just rather take it on head on and say, And I do fast. I know it doesn't look like it, but I do. It's just when I get off of it that I eat the wrong stuff. All right, fasting, prayer, you read the Word. You read the Word. Study the Word. Figure out two hours. What, what's so great about a palm tree? Well, the palm tree is we deal with the root system, the basics. Anybody ever build a house, a building, right, put an addition on a room? What's the most important part of the whole building? foundation why holds the building up where's it at here it's underneath we can't see the foundation you don't see when Randall's praying we see Randall when he comes to church and worships boom we don't see when Bernie's praying we don't see when Randall's fasting Johnny's fasting He's the one who calls you up and says, I just decided to go on a three-day fast. You want to go with me? Oh, no, Johnny. Johnny, I got to stretch up some more. I got to have a longer runway, you know? What's, what, what are those? those are, these are foundations. So prayer is a foundation. Fasting is a foundation. Reading the Word is a foundation. If you want to know what God wants to do in your life, read His Word. If you want to know how He works, read His Word. And when you read his word, his word is alive. It's not just a book, okay? It's not just a book, but the Bible is alive. It's a sword. It's sharper than, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, it divides asunder. It, it ta- helps us to take control of things, okay? The bulletin, who's got a bulletin from Sunday? What a, a very nice scripture, very nice scriptures on the bulletin. Did anybody read it? I did. Do you read the bulletins? I love it when people don't read the bulletin and they text me and they say, oh, I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. And I get to text back and say very nicely, it's been in the bulletin for 17 years. Oh, maybe I should read the bulletin again. All right, right. What's this say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. The New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Okay, so the word, you take that and you put the word in you. And if you memorize this scripture and what it says, right, if you memorize the scripture and what it says, when you start to worry, the Lord, his spirit, is going to bring that, open that file, that hard drive in your brain, and it's going to go right to that file, right to that scripture, and you're going to say, oh, Lord, I shouldn't be worrying about this. You know what worry is? Worry is paying on a debt that does not exist. Worry makes all of us crazy. How many is worried right now? 
We're all worried about something. Yeah? No? Maybe we've learned to conquer that world. And there's so much in the Bible, so many principles, that we would be overwhelmed and say, there's no way I can learn all of them. The Lord's not asking you to learn all of them now. He's asking you to learn one at a time. Just learn one at a time. One thing at a time. One day at a time. Oh, come on now. That's all I'm asking from you. You know, I've had to talk to Mitchell. I've had to talk him off the ledge. You know. Well, we're getting married. And what about the boys? We don't have the boys full custody yet. And this and this. Slow down. Let's take one day at a time. Let's get let's get married. Going to the chapel, right? And I'm going to cut it short so we can go all eat, right? I ordered your chicken today, right? I ordered chicken. I spent extra money and went to IGA because there's a spray, not frozen, right? So I'm trying to take care of you. But we do that. We have a situation in our lives, and we are trying to figure out the whole thing. When really, if we would just back off and let God begin to work in the whole thing, it would be a lot better than it would have been if we tried to do it ourselves. Because God can do things that we can't do. So we put the word in us so we don't worry. So we have these principles. And we get to church. And we get involved in the kingdom. We get to build. We start. So these are the foundations. We don't see any foundation here. We see carpet and pews and drywall and flags, sound systems, monitors, pulpits, pallet wood, screens. We see all the stuff. But underneath of all of this is the foundation. So you see me, all right, you see me, and I'm preaching, and I'm teaching, and Ginger's like, how do you do this? How do you have two or three scriptures and you preach for an hour? You're just like my dad. This is what he says and always sends her off the ledge. Not that I say put her from, sends her off the ledge. He says, give her here of God. And he has, says this real deep. And you just want to slap him. You just wish you could slap him. So Ginger says, how do you preach like that and teach? And you only have two or three scriptures. And I say, give her here of God. Oh, she said, that makes me so mad. Right? So what you don't see and what you didn't see is for the last 30 years, 35 years, I've had the Holy Ghost in my life, and I'm reading the Bible. And I'm praying. I pray in the shower. I pray in the car. I come here, and I pray here. I pray when I'm mowing the yard. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Right? And that means pray without end. So your mind's always in prayer. What else I did was when I was in my early formative years of preparing for the ministry was I I would listen to every preacher I could get my hands on. At that time, the media device was a cassette tape, also known as a cassette tape, right? Worse better than CDs? Oh, come on, guys. Are you kidding? Well, the CD gets scratched, and when the tape, that dirt gets on that roller, and it starts going, and you stop it, and you go to pull it out, and it goes. Hey, how many of you have been around the table with a butter knife, putting the, rewinding the tape in the, yeah, yeah. And, the, and listen, the eight tracks, remember the eight tracks? They had that piece of metal. I would always find that the, the changing of the track and pull that right between it because I wanted to see how it worked. It was a piece of metal, metal foil tape. Uh, anyway, I can vaguely remember Wheel of Wheels. How about that now? How'd you get on that? Oh, so listen, I'm listening to all these. I'm listening to all these preaching preachers. I'm listening to all this kind of preaching, and I'm listening to different styles. And I listen. In 35 years, I can quote to you 
some of the messages I heard because I can remember the inflection of the voice. I can remember the words they actually in there and emphasized in that sermon. What was I doing? I'm, I'm putting in. And so what we all have to do is we have to put in. Because at some point, you're going to find somebody that is actually in worse spiritual shape than you are. And they're going to need help. You're drowning in three feet of water, and they're drowning in six feet. And they're only five long. Right? And see, you're not really drowning. The devil wants you to think that you're drowning. He wants you to think that you're not successful. And you are successful. You're still here. Right? You're not broke. Nope. You haven't failed God. You're still coming to church, so you're still a success story. And somebody, so you fill up your tank because at some point you're down here and the water's overflowing. You're going to have to pull your mask out and punch it into their mouth. You know what happens when they, when they dive in there, huh? Go scuba diving and somebody's equipment fails. You've got to share. And you're not going to call Uber. You know, you're down there 150 meters. And your and your and your regulator goes out, and it's not working, and you get the, your buddy, and you say, and you, you know, you say, oh no, because I'm going to call Uber because my regulator just went out. No, you don't have time for that. So you're going to do the buddy system till you get to the top. Now watch this, and you can't go too fast, because if you go too fast, you get the wet. What do you call that? The bends. Because you're coming up too fast, and then you're, you're going to black out because of lack of oxygen. So you've got to come up slow. Watch. You're not going to be able to be successful all the time running in the fast lane. Things take time. The farmers are just cutting their harvest right now. They planted it in May and June. They planted it 65 to 120 days ago. Walking with the Lord is just like that. It's going to take one day at a time. Get in the habit of reading the word every day. Get in the habit of reading it at least a chapter. Okay? 150 psalms, if you read five psalms a day, in 30 days, you'll have the whole book of psalms read. How about put a proverb with it? 31 proverbs, 31 days. Five psalms and a proverb. Each day, you've read both of those books in one month. This is a life journey. It took you how long to get to this point? At, in this shape. You understand what I'm saying? So you get the word in there. So the word is slowly, you're slowly changing. You're slowly getting stronger in the Lord. You're slowly, it's like, I want to I be there now. Well, we can come in here and lay down, we could just uh, lay down, grade off a flat spot, lay down some plates, put in some studs to another plate, put in the wall, just let it sit on the ground. There's no foundation, and it's not going to last. So these things are a foundation. Okay, how's that for one slide? Is that all right? So you come into the kingdom, and then you get busy. All right, look at that, Psalm 92, 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now the cedars in Lebanon were fantastic pieces of lumber. They built they built the temple, Solomon's temple, out of these cedars from Lebanon. They cut them down, they hauled them out to the seaport, and they brought them down by ship to Jerusalem. And they used not one nail to put it all together. How about that? Now, I don't know all the specifications about the cedars of Lebanon, but the righteous is going to be like a palm and like the cedars. Cedars are very durable, right? They're very tough. Okay, so we're going to go on now. Bum, 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 bum. We got had, we've already had heartburn. We're going to finish this tonight. Road to Emmaus, we talked about that last week, Correct. 
Jesus comes up, two strangers on the road to Emmaus. They're all talking about the events of the last couple weeks. Jesus died on the cross. He's gone. They had hope in him. It's all gone now. What are they going to do? It was Jesus. But they were so overcome by their situations that they failed to recognize that he was right there with them. Boy, that'll preach. We get so overcome with the things of this world and in our lives that we don't recognize Jesus when he's here. Okay? All right, so let's do something. Brother John, come on up here. Brother Frank, come on up. Brother Frank, did you meet any nice people at Walmart this week? I don't know. I was in there. That's true. Okay, so I want you to just stand right about there. Okay, now, we're going to call, and don't take this phone, okay? No, I'll do this. We'll do it this way. We're going to call Brother John at Fireman's Club, okay? We're going to call Brother uh, We're going to call Brother John. No, we're not. We're going to call John the Solutionist. That's better. We'll call John the Solutionist, and we're going to call Frank the Diplomat, who needs a solution. And this is the problem. Okay? Okay. Now, so, Diane, you just move back to that speaker. Frank, you move back to this speaker. All right. So you see the solution right there, right? He's what he's what you need. Twenty-two years ago, was it twenty-two? Was it twenty-eight? Do you know how long you've been married? Ninety-eight. Twenty-one years ago. Twenty-one in July. Twenty-three years, Carlina. Oh. All right. Okay. What you got to do is got to keep your eye on the solution. But then we have a problem. What do you see? That's the problem. This is the problem, Frank. We have a problem here. Don't mess up my illustration here. I'm very scientific. This is our problem, right? A lot of times our solution is here, but we got our problem here. Yeah? But if we, if we, right, do you see the solution yet? Do you now? Do you see him now? Can you see him now? But before, the, the problem hasn't changed. Problem's still the same size. Still says the same thing. Still offers challenges and difficulties. The thing is, we have changed the position from where we at, are at with our problem. So when it's up here, all you can see is your problem. That's all those two guys who see on the road to Emmaus. They killed Jesus. Jesus was the best thing that ever happened to him. Right? Now he's gone. Gone like yesterday. Gone like a... Thank you. Gone. Right? You ever wonder if people are going to run out of writing songs? Has it, anybody ever thought that? Like every song has already been written. It, it, but just me. Just me. Okay. So we get away from that problem. And suddenly your world gets a little bit bigger where you can see more until after a while you can see the solution. So we have to remember. Thank you, guys. We have to remember that we got to remember that, guess what? All of the things of the day and all the problems we face, they're not going to go away. But we have to change our position. We have to change our perspective. And so by going and reading the Word and getting the Word in us, we change our perspective. All right. Da-da-da. There we go. So don't get busy. we got to meditate. We talked about the valley last week. Did anybody... 
go home thinking, man, the valley's not too bad a place. All right? This week, I heard, I was on, I was listening to, I can't remember who the preacher was, but he was preaching. He said, and we need to get out of the valley and get to the mountaintop. And I, I think I was driving. I thought, well, good thing is there's a river in the valley. There's food in the valley. There's protection in the valley. Kind of ruined my, the message I was going to get. So we meditate. So once our hearts grow hot, we must meditate on the revelation that we've received in order to start the fire. It's not good enough to simply have a warm heart. We need a fire. They said, did not our, our hearts burn within us? Many people are content to receive revelation, but they stop there. <coughs> they don't go further by meditating on the word of God. Does my voice sound better this week? Oh, man, I'm sorry. I did that to you last week. You must continue to meditate on your revelation. So two years ago, two and a half years ago, I got this revelation on the, on the, the valley. And I'm still in the valley at times and still working the revelation. So take the word and dissect it. Cut it up. Twist it around and say, hey, how does it fit here? How will this work? What am I looking at here? What's going on? So we don't stop with the revelation. We continue until the heat turns into a fire. Only then are you going to have the spiritual force to make your words come to pass. So we're talking about get the word, learn the word, and then when you speak it, after you've meditated on it and you have revelation about it, when you speak it, then you see it come to pass because you're understanding it. Does this make sense? Is this helping you? All right. Meditate means to think deeply about something until subconsciously you begin to speak it to yourself. The Hebrew word for meditation means to mutter. Mutter. Mutter means that you speak to yourself in a low tone of voice. We're going to, all of us are going to feel good in the next couple slides. Have you ever thought so deeply about something that you unconsciously started to move your lips? Perhaps you thought about asking your boss for a raise. So on your way to work, you went over and over in your mind what you were going to say, and as you did, you detected that someone was staring at you. And as your eyes looked up to see what it was, who it was, you blushed because you had been talking to yourself. Do you know what you're doing? You're meditating. So you're not crazy. You can talk to yourself. You're meditating. Those are usually the best answers. You know, if you're self-employed, you're having a board meeting. You talk to yourself. Vernie, there you go. Vernie's been talking. He's just sitting there cutting hair. Have a board meeting right there. So to meditate is to be so absorbed with certain thoughts that we talk to ourselves. We should be so absorbed with the word of God that we talk it to ourselves without realizing it. Have you got to the point in your walk where you can hear somebody begin to quote a scripture and you don't know where it's at, but you can finish it in your mind because you're meditating on it. You're putting it in there. If you're not there yet, keep, keep working on it. You've got to learn how to put the word in there. Amen? Meditation has been one of the most beneficial things in my life. This is Tom talking here again. It has made people wonder if I was crazy. When I used to work for a pizza parlor, I would constantly meditate on the word of God. Often my fellow employees would interrupt me. Hey, Tom, what are you babbling about? I would blush. Well, I, I, I was just thinking about the Bible. Oh, I was so embarrassed, but the growth in my life was incredible. I would rather have people think that I'm crazy than fail to meditate. Anyway, many of the, my fellow workers are now members of my church. This was a pastor, and they are doing what I did. So listen, meditation will work. The dark side meditates. Witches and angels, dark angels and warlocks meditate. Don't they? Mm-hmm. What, what are you saying? I'm saying everything that is in the kingdom the dark side has taken and corrupted it. Music started where? In heaven. Now we have death metal, heavy metal, rap. 
You know, it is amazing. It is amazing how politicians, the, the big craze now is to go back into a politician's life when they were in junior high or high school, right? Paint their faces dark and spewed out the N-word. And everybody wants, you're the governor of this state. You need to resign right now because 52 years ago when you were six, you did that. But all of this gangster rap mess says all of that all the time. And it's okay. Because it ends with an A rather than an ER. That's how whacked out the dark side is. They've taken everything that's good and twisted it. Music started in heaven. Now we have music of the world. Dancing and worship started in heaven. And now we have dancing and all of that in the club. We got all kinds of dancing going on right now. We're not even going to get into that kind of dancing tonight. All right? So meditation and prayer started out in the kingdom. They have meditation and prayer in the dark side. It's just how it goes, parallel. So you got to chew the cud. Right? Okay, in the Old Testament, God gave Israel permission to eat any animal that chewed the cud. A cow is an example. A cow takes its time to chew. Slowly it crushes the hay and, and masticates the food. After minutes of gnawing down the hay into small particles, it swallows. <laughs> the first of three stomachs breaks down the food into vitamins and minerals. Soon the cow regurgitates the food and starts the process of chewing it again. Is that awesome? Uh-huh. I don't even remember what I used to say when I preached and I said, I'm going to feed some of you like a mama bird today. Remember that, Brother Vernon? Oh, boy. That's probably why they all left. Amen. Then after some time, it swallows the food once more. The food then passes into his second stomach where it undergoes another process of digestion. After hours, the food is passed into the third stomach where every remaining vitamin that can be drawn out is absorbed. The rest is discharged. The whole process takes about 24 hours. Now, out of that whole slide, I want you to remember 24 hours. Okay? Remember that. In contrast, now that we brought up to show the process of med med meditation, we should be like a cow and slowly chew the word of God before we swallow. We meditate by taking a few scriptures and mulling them over in our mind. After we've done that a few times, we bring back those scriptures again to start the process once more. We keep that up until the word becomes a part of us. All right, for instance, you remember I was preaching in Numbers 11 that the murmurings of the children of Israel in the wilderness did not start until the mixed crowd started at first. Okay? I have read the Bible multiple times. I've never seen that scripture until a few months ago. And so what are you doing? I'm going back to that now, and I'm going to pull it out, and I'm going to meditate on it. And I'm going to say, what is going on here? Now, that tells me lots of things. That tells me lots of things. That tells me that the Bible says this. You, you, then you cross-reference things. You can't let an ox and an ass plow together. Right? Number one, it's hard to yoke them up because of the height of the ox, the build of the ox, and the build of the, of the donkey. It's, it's uneven. I can take that, and where can I go with that? I can go to the New Testament where it says, do not be unequally yoked together, believers with unbelievers. That gives me as the, uh, the perspective that says, you know what? If you're in church and you're trying to find someone to be yoked up with in your life, find somebody else that's in church. Okay? 
Thumbs up. <laughs> Thumbs up, Nina. <laughs> now watch. So I don't drink beer and smoke cigarettes. Okay? I don't do it. And if something happens to Amy, and I'm going to go try to find me someone to spend the rest of what I've got left in my life with, why would I want to find somebody that smokes beer and drinks cigarettes? See, because it's going to be a while. I did it on purpose. All right, it wasn't a dyslexia problem. You know what I'm saying? Because my dad smoked in the house, and I didn't like it. I didn't like going to school and smelling like smoke on my clothes. You wash your hair, and then when they get done smoking, now if you smoke, listen, that's, you know, it's an addiction. It's fun to break. I know you probably don't like doing it, and you wish you never would have started it, right? But guess what? I'm just saying don't be unequally yoked because it's going to cause problems. Walk, how can you walk together? Well, watch this. Let's get a little deeper. Okay, I come, I come to a church that believes in spiritual practice. Did you hear that? I come from a church that believes in speaking in tongues. So I find this woman. But she, she goes to a church that doesn't believe in That can be a, tr- a struggle. So we get married. Whose church are we going to go to? I don't want to go to her church because they don't believe like I believe. And she didn't want to go to my church. Thanks, daughter. Because we don't believe what she believes. So automatically, listen, it's hard enough to bring two people together that believe the same thing that all have different philosophies and thoughts about things. Right? It's hard. And what you do is you're just adding another piece of, of, of a, a part of a rock to the load you've got to carry, another piece of baggage. So how do we get on marriage and not dating people who don't believe the way you believe? Here's another thing. Some, some of you believe in, and, and do and pay tithes. And then you find somebody who doesn't believe in that. And it's a struggle, especially when it comes down to the moolah. She wants to pay tithes. He doesn't want to give tithes. And there's a struggle there. There's a war going to go on. That's why it's very hard. So you get the word to, that becomes part of you. How did we get to that? Remember how we got to that? We got to that from the ox and the ass not being put together to plow because they were incompatible. How, how else did we get there? Before that. You remember? got there because we went back to Numbers 11 that the mixed crowd with the children of Israel complained and then the children of Israel picked up on it. What have I just done? Pastor, you've just gone the rabbit trail. No. If you look through, so if you look through the Bible, you went from Numbers to the New Testament teaching of Jesus on into the New Testament church just from Numbers. Because you're putting the word together and you're meditating on it. Rather than saying, well, the mixed crowd, did, they started complaining, and then so did the children of Israel. Done deal. But out of that, as you begin to meditate on it, then you realize, okay, well, if that's the case, then the mixed crowd wasn't compatible then with the children of Israel. The children of Israel believed in the God that delivered them through the Red Sea. They believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were Jews, right? The mixed crowd came out of them. What was the mixed crowd? It was probably those that were born 
of both Egyptian and Jewish Hebrew descent. It could have also been slaves from the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery, slavery and he was sold to a band of who? Ishmaelites who were going into Egypt. So let's take it in and put it in our vernacular today. So we're American, and we're coming out of the, this uh, state of slavery, and along with us comes the people from Finland and the people from Germany and the people from Honduras and the people from the Philippines, the mixed crowd. But we're the ones, the main ones, that have the belief in the one true God. But it was all these others that didn't believe the same way that we did that brought about the murmuring that caused the whole thing to go crazy. <coughs> does that make sense? See how that happened? Is that, is that okay? Does that make sense? You ready to go on? So the word becomes part of it. Unfortunately, people feed on the word like pigs feed on slop. Oh my, I'm going to have to hurry. Wow. I don't know if you know this, but I am a grandfather of twins. Pigs. I have a pig in my house. All right. Huh? Well, he doesn't come in anymore. He's doing his work. He come in and watch football. He's a Steelers fan. He said, "Don't even, he don't even want to come in this year." He said, "Forget it. We're down to our third quarterback. We're we're just gonna." Anyhow. Okay. So I have about a mini pig. It's Megan. For some reason, why did why do kids get pets when they're still in college? And, and they're going to be and they're going to be traveling and doing whatever. Why? Why? Because parents, right? I said I'm not taking care of the pig. I'm not going to. I'm not helping the pig. All right. So what happens? So the pig, lo and behold, brothers and sisters, is stuck in a room at Megan's house in a cage for 12 to 14 hours a day. Megan is working in St. Louis. It takes her an hour to get there. She works a 12-hour shift. Takes her an hour to get home. Then she then she got a pig that she got to take outside. Okay, so the pig finally gets so bored that he puts his snout through the cage and chews a hole in the wall. And I said, that pig, if that was my pig, would be buried. But I felt sorry for the pig. So what did I do? Bring the pig to my house. I grew up on a farm. Bring the pig. The pig sleeps in his cage on the front porch. He goes out every day. He has the whole backyard. He's been enjoying the persimmons off the persimmon tree. He eats his slop and then runs to the persimmons. I'm talking about run. Have you ever seen a pig run? Tail sticks straight out, and they squeal and run. Okay. When this pig eats, his, by the way, his name is Obi. All right? Like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi. When Obi eats, his pellets go in a, a bowl with some water. Cows are much, maybe cows, cow kids better. The pig, unlike the cow, was considered an unclean animal. A pig swallows the food without hardly chewing it. In just a matter of six hours, the food is part of the pig's body. Very little nutrition from the food is absorbed by the pig because he eats his food in a hurry. This is the way most people read their Bibles in a hurry. Okay? This explains why most do not get much out when they read the Bible. Does that make sense? What was the time difference from the cow and the pig? 24 hours to 6 hours. So if we take our time and ingest the word, chew, cough it back up, chew on it again, swallow it again, right? It's going to take, it's going to be 24 hours. We're going to have more exposure to the word. And I told you about how we have vanilla, white milk, chocolate milk, and strawberry milk, right? Wow. Frank's thinking. I see him thinking. 
People often wonder how to study the Bible. There are many ways. The best way is to meditate on these portions of Scripture that God has used to warm your heart. So when you get a Scripture, when God gives you a Scripture that really clicks in your life, spend some time on it. Okay? Spend some time on it. And get you some some things to help you. Listen, this is how he went to college when I was college. You had to have a wagon behind you to pull all the books that you took to college. Okay? This is one of them right here.